uh, on pursuing the spiritual gifts, and I've been tasked today with talking about not really what specific gifts look like, but how do we walk them out? What does it mean to actually walk out the spiritual gifts? Don't worry, I'm going to be shorter than Gabe and Pastor Bart were the last two weeks. Um, I'm just kidding. They were actually awesome sermons, just like all the ones. If you've missed any from this summer series, I really encourage you to go back and, and listen. Take them in. Uh, but as you're turning to, to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I, I kind of felt led to be a little more vulnerable today uh, and sharing a little bit more of my, some parts of my story, um, and hopefully you'll see how that, that fits as we, as we go forward. I was, I think, about nine when our family first started coming to, to fullness. It was actually in the building that is now the uh, Hoover Police Station on off, off Lorna Road, and so I grew up here. I've heard, I don't know how many hundreds of sermons from Pastor Bart over the years, and that, that's, so this has been the place that has, more than anywhere else, shaped and formed me and, and, and what I believe, and uh, in spite of all that, not to the fault of anyone here, at some point along the line, as a, probably a high school or teenager, but as I got into young adulthood, I started picking up some unbiblical ways of thinking in regards to spiritual gifts, in regards to how I related to the body and and what possible gifts I might have in my place in the body. There was a a season in my life where I was, again, I think probably a young adult, low 20s, where I was in this community of of young people who were very, very charismatic. Um, I think, at least it seemed like pretty much all of them spoke in tongues. I did not. Uh, It seemed like all of them, would, when you would pray for them, when they would receive prayer, they would get these physical sensations from the Lord. They would, as we say in charismatic circles, manifest. And I would never feel anything when people prayed for me. Uh, They seemed to always be getting these super spiritual sounding words from the Lord. And, And I knew the Lord and I loved reading my Bible, but I wasn't encountering him in that way. And over time, this led to some great insecurity within me. And I started to think, okay, something must be wrong with me. I don't have the gifts that they have. I'm not experiencing the Lord in the ways that, that they are. And it actually got to the point where there was a season where I was embarrassed to even be asked to pray out loud when I was with this group of people. Not because anything they were specifically saying. They weren't making me feel less than. Um, but I had picked up this way of thinking uh, in my own mind. And, and I got to where, I, like I said, I didn't even want to pray. I was like, I don't have anything to offer. Everyone else here can pray way better than I can. And so since that's part of my story, I have a, I have a heart for those who, when I hear like they're kind of new to, to the gifts of the Spirit and this is all just still kind of foreign to them and they maybe feel a little bit freaked out and insecure around it. Um, I, I have a heart for those kind of people because the truth is, you know, we're, we're kind of an interesting, I feel like fullness has kind of shifted a little bit over the years. We still have our, our spiritual veterans who've been around the charismatic world for a long time and you know your gifts and you've walked in your gifts and power for a long time and seen them used to bless people and that's awesome. I know that we also though, I, I know that we have people who are much newer to this kind of tribe and you probably don't quite know 
what your place is in the body yet. And you might feel more insecure. Like, I'm not quite even sure yet what my gifting is and how it fits here because I don't have what so-and-so has. And if I do, it's not as good as them. And so if you relate to that at all, or if you find yourself at all connecting to my story, my experiences, I'm specifically wanting to, to speak to you today while reminding all of us of some things from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, I think we all like to think of ourselves, in fact, I definitely like to think of myself as kind of this relentless pursuer of truth who, whatever the Bible teaches, that's what I'm going to believe. And I just, and that's how we see ourselves. Well, the truth is, we're more shaped and formed by our experiences than what we realize. Our experiences that we have will shape our, what we believe, our theology, whether it's for good or for bad. And the older that I get, the more I'm becoming convinced as I look back over my life that the reason that I am a convinced continuationalist, and that's the word that we like to use here around fullness, even more than charismatic, that just simply means we believe that the gifts, all of the gifts of the Spirit are continuing to this day and will continue to the return of Christ. I'm becoming more convinced that I am a convinced continuationist not just because I believe that's what the Bible teaches, although I believe that's what the Bible teaches. I believe that's the most faithful reading of the Scripture. But I am convinced of this because I've seen it used in a healthy way. I've had good experiences with it. My theology has been shaped not just by the sermons of, of Pastor Bart, but also watching people like Cindy James or Chris Kuhn, or I could list many others, operate in their gifts in such a beautiful, humble way that genuinely builds people up. And so, like I said, I have a heart for those who are, who are kind of suspicious of this, but I would love for when we encounter people, because I know that we do, when we encounter people who might say something like, well, I might be more open to believing in the gifts, but I've just, I've yet to see a place where they're used in a healthy way. I want us to be able to say, come to my church Come here. No, we're not perfect, but come and just watch the Spirit move through the gifts of the Spirit. And we've been that kind of a place, and I want to urge us today to continue becoming more that kind of a place. As we look at um, from 1 Corinthians 12, how should we actually walk this out? And there are many places in Scripture where we could go, but we're going to limit ourselves to 1 Corinthians 12. And so I want to just pull out three ways, three ways of how we are called as the people of God, as the church, to actually walk out these gifts of the Spirit. All right. Always takes a second for, for uh, the clicker to wake up. Okay, there we go. Three ways that we are called to walk out spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians 12. So first of all is this. We walk out our gifts in thankfulness. We walk out our gifts in thankfulness. That may seem really like unexciting, but this was actually really hitting me as I was, as I was preparing. Um, I'm not going to read through the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 because we've kind of been in it almost every week this, this summer, but I do want to read just a few verses from, I think it's verse 4 through 7. 
There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So I'm getting this first point primarily from verses 4 through 11 of 1 Corinthians 12. We are to walk out these gifts in thankfulness. And I want to kind of camp out for a second here. Twice we see, twice we see in these verses that the Spirit is the one who gives the gifts. The word given is used or given them by the Spirit. And then twice it says that he empowers us to walk in them. And that word empowers comes from a word in Greek that where we would get the word energize, energy. So the idea is that he's both giving us the gifts, but he's also energizing us giving us the, the energy to walk them out. And it's, I find this word that Paul uses for gift really interesting in verse 4. He says there are varieties of gifts. This word, um, it's, it's not the only word in, in the original language that Paul uses for gift, but it's fascinating. Um, it's rarely used outside of the New Testament in kind of ancient Greek texts. It's rarely used outside of the New Testament, but when it is used in the New Testament, there's 17 times that this word or forms of this word pops up. 16 of them are used by the Apostle Paul. So Paul liked this word a lot. And it's, it's fascinating that this word is so closely connected to the word for grace. The word for grace, the word grace, charis. And so Paul almost coins these, these words, charisma, or charismata. I may not be quite pronouncing that exactly right, but charisma or charismata. You can, it doesn't take much to see that's where we got the word charismatic from. And so Paul will use this word, but here's what's fascinating. He uses this word to describe lots of different things, not just the spiritual gifts. But I love um, Gordon Fee, a New Testament scholar who's shaped really all of us um, on staff here at Fullness. I love his definition. He says gifts charisma or charismata are a concrete expression of the grace of God. They're a concrete or visible expression of God's grace. But here's the thing. Paul can sometimes use this word to refer to the gift of salvation. Like in Romans 6, the free gift, the charisma of God is eternal life. So charisma can refer to salvation, to eternal life. Or he sometimes uses the word later in Romans, Romans 11, to speak of the, the um, he says, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. It can refer to the blessings of Old Testament Israel is what he's, the context of what he's talking about here. Or he can use it in another way in 1 Corinthians 7, so earlier in the letter we're looking at, to refer to both the gifts of celibacy as a single person and the gift of marriage. They're both charisma. And then obviously, he can use them to refer to these spiritual abilities that the Spirit gives us that we would call spiritual gifts. Now, I don't know if I can communicate how that was hitting me as I was thinking about that. What this means is basically the entire Christian life, the entire Christian experience is all one of grace. It is all receiving these concrete expressions, these gifts of the grace of God. And so the grace of God can look like it's given through his son for our salvation. 
And it's given through his spirit for our maturity. And if we get that, I mean, I can call Craig back up right now, right? And we just enter back into worship. This is all grace. This is all recipient. We're recipients of grace. But here's another interesting thing. The word for thanksgiving or gratitude is also very closely connected to this word for grace, charis. Um, Just one example is in Colossians 3.16 where he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness, charity. You can probably see that it's close to, to charis, grace, in your hearts to God. And so here's what this this amazing dynamic that's going on here. We're receiving grace. Gifts are coming down in all these different forms, and we're responding with thanksgiving. It's like grace coming down, grace going up, and it's this rhythm that happens in the Christian life. We receive grace. We return thanksgiving, and thanksgiving is a powerful tool, right? Um, just Let me say this too. Thanksgiving actually honors the giver, of the gift, right? Some of you here, I know that we got people here who you're really skilled in coming up with good gifts for other people. Um, you're just, you know how to f- pick out something that will really speak to them and make them feel seen and heard and just bless them. And when you give them that gift and they open it up and they are thankful for it and enjoy it, you feel joy, right? You actually are honored and receive pleasure as they give thanks for their gift. It's the same dynamic going on. Thanksgiving for the gift honors the giver of the gift. And Thanksgiving is is very powerful. It's very difficult for pride or thoughts of comparison or jealousy to dwell in the same place at the same time as Thanksgiving, right? Very difficult for those things to dwell in the same heart. Pastor Andrew Wilson, he's a a British pastor talking about gifts and and thanksgiving. He says, thanking God for his gifts forces us to ponder what we have rather than what we lack and to enjoy them all over again. Thanksgiving displaces foul speech and greed and anxiety and asceticism. It makes envy impossible. It awakens the soul to the realities of God's gifts, and joy follows. A thankful people is a joyful people. And so, are you giving thanks? Are you consciously practicing awareness of the gifts of God, specifically the spiritual gifts of God in your life, and walking in thanksgiving for them? No, we don't worship the gifts, but we do give thanks for the gifts because it honors the giver. Number two, though, is this. We walk out spiritual gifts in confidence. We walk them out in confidence. I'm moving now to kind of the next section, verses 14 through 20. This is the part of 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul uses his famous metaphor of the body, of a, of a physical human body to depict the church, the people of God. And I was thinking about this. It, it's interesting. The church, as it's designed, as Paul's describing it, Here, when it's walking in the Spirit, the church is meant to stand in contrast to all other human societies, to both traditional human societies and to modern human societies. 
See, in a, in a tr- more traditional human society, what you're more likely to find in the, you know, the Middle East or the eastern parts of the world, the individual tends to get lost in the community, right? It's, it's the community is prioritized over the individual. And in a modern society like we have here in the West, the individual is prioritized over the community. And it's all about the individual. The individual is the most important one when that individual is me. And you think the same way about you. That's just the Western way of thinking. In the body of Christ, though, in the church, as Paul is describing it here, it's like neither one of those. Paul's big idea is that there is to be both diversity and unity. And diversity within the unity of the body. Think of your body. You have many parts, many features of your body, but one body. It's diverse in, in unity. And so Paul says, for the one body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And then he goes on, he kind of uses the same analogy, the same example a few times. And Paul is saying, literally, you cannot say, well, because I don't have the same gift as so-and-so, I'm a lesser part of the body or I don't belong to the body, right? He says, actually, he goes on to say, you know, the parts of the body that are, are more private, that we don't show to the public, we actually treat those with greater honor. They're not lesser in importance than the more public parts of the body. But we do this, do we not? We're, if Paul is talking about it, we must be tempted to do this, to actually um, think that we're lesser than because we're not a certain gift. So, but he says we're to walk out gifts in confidence. Well, how? What does that mean, to walk out our gifts in confidence? Well, first, here's what it doesn't mean. I think we need to understand what it, what it we're not basing our confidence on. You don't base your confidence on having a certain gift. That's literally Paul's point. You can't say, well, because I don't have gift, that gift, then I'm just a less important part of the body. You, you can't do that. But we do do that. I've done that. Going back to my story, um, you know, I, as a young adult, I, I was really struggling with, with insecurity and in spiritual gifts and feeling like I was lesser than. Um, and again, not, don't hear me. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone else. I'm not place, placing blame elsewhere. But uh, at some point along the line, I kind of had this, this complicated relationship with the gift of tongues. Maybe I'm not the only one. Uh, where I was kind of weirded out by this gift of tongues, a little creeped out by it. But yet I thought in order to truly be spiritual, in order to truly be like, you know, really the spiritually elite, I need this gift. And because everyone around me in my little kind of circle community seemed to have this gift and I didn't. And that would feel really odd when everyone else was praying this way and I was praying in English or just not praying at all. And, uh, And so there were multiple times like I, I asked other people to, to pray for me to receive this, this gift. And I remember two times vividly um, where I was prayed in a rather more public way. One time I'm thinking of in particular, rather publicly, meaning the people in the room knew that this is what was being prayed for me to receive. Um, I want to make it clear, this was actually not happening here at Fullness. Um, this was in another, another place. Um, 
But I remember thinking like, okay, I think it's finally going to happen. I think I've worked up enough faith. I think I'm a pure enough vessel to receive this gift. And um, all right, I think God's going to do it. And people were praying for me for, it went on for several minutes and nothing happened. I didn't speak in tongues. And I remember feeling so disappointed and so discouraged and actually feeling a little bit ashamed. Like, wow, okay, there still must be something wrong with me that God won't give this gift to me. And looking back, I really wish I understood better the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I probably had heard Pastor Bart teach on it at some point, but you know, sometimes you hear things and it doesn't, it doesn't connect. But the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm kind of skipping here for a second, um, where Paul asks this series of questions. You're probably familiar with this. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do you all speak in tongues? Do you all interpret? Well, I am no Dave Malik by any stretch of the imagination. Let's make no mistake. I am not a Greek scholar uh, like, like Dave is. But I've had a little bit of Greek, and I, and I verified this to make sure that it's, it's true, um, what I'm about to say. In the original language, the way that, that these questions are worded, Paul's expected response is no. He's expecting a negative answer. So when he says, you know, do you all speak in tongues? Do you all interpret? Do you all, are all apostles? The answer is, of course not. No, they don't. And that's actually, that takes a lot of pressure off you. Take the pressure off of yourself. You're not going to have every gift. There are going to be several gifts that you don't have. And guess what? That's exactly the way the Holy Spirit designed it. So you don't have to expect that you got to have all of them and walk in all of them because you're not going to have all of them. Um, I got ahead of myself. So the, and that's actually from Gordon Fee as well. Paul's implied answer is, of course, not. So if that's not what you base your confidence on, that you have a certain spiritual gift, what do we base our confidence on? What is our, if we're to walk these things out in confidence, not in timidity, what should our confidence be based on? I believe that our confidence is based on our attachment to Christ. You may be kind of thinking there, asking like, okay, Scott, if this is kind of your journey, your story of insecurity with the spiritual gifts, what was the turning point for you when you kind of were able to finally move past this? Well, I don't think it was like a one-moment thing, but for me, the turning point was a doctrine, a truth, that is actually hidden in plain sight in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in this metaphor that Paul uses of the body. It's called union with Christ. That's kind of the old theological way of saying it. And it's this idea that when you trust Jesus, when you become part of the people of God, you are connected, attached to Jesus. And so here's the key truth. You're not a part of the body because you have a certain spiritual gift. Can I get an amen? You are not a part of the body because you have a certain spiritual gift. You are part of the body because you are connected to 
the head of the body, which is Christ. And this is a mystery. The, the, I feel like the, the New Testament writers actually struggle to put this into words. And so they, the best they can do is use different metaphors like a vine and branches or the relationship between a husband and a wife or here a, a, a head and the, the neck and the body. But union with Christ, it's a, it's a deep, deep well of theological glory. And you can go your entire life searching it out and you will not reach the bottom. But basically, here's, I'll attempt to give a brief definition of what this means in your life. And I hope and pray that this is for some people today and that this touches you like it touched me. Um, Basically, union with Christ, it does not mean that you become Jesus. You'll never become Jesus. You don't become Christ. But when you come to him in faith and you trust him, what belongs to Christ becomes yours. It becomes your possession, your right. So, being united with Christ means Christ's righteousness is yours. It's yours. It belongs to you. And this is, by the way, these things are true if you've been a Christian for 50 seconds or 50 years. Christ's favor with the Father, the way that the Father looks at Jesus, says, behold, my beloved Son, his favor with the Father is yours. Because you're united to the head. He looks at you with the same pleasure. Christ's power that he walked in, the same spirit that he walked in, is yours. This is why Paul says that we would praise in in Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be open, that you know the power that is available to you. How do you have that power? Because you're united with Christ. You're attached to the head. And Christ's victory is becoming your victory. And you get to partake of the benefits, the privileges of that victory. Hopefully that touches you the way that it it touched me because when you start, when that becomes like sinks down in, like becomes a reality in your gut, like this doctrine that because of the gospel, my confidence is not based on, on, on an experience that I've had or not had or a spiritual gift that I have or don't have, but my confidence is based on that I am united with Christ. And that's, that's my security. That's my anchor for the soul. That is, there is such freedom in that. There is such freedom in that because the truth is, unlike us, Jesus does not feel body shame over parts of his body. He will never feel ashamed of you, unlike us. Praise God. And then here's the third thing with confidence. We walk in confidence. So we don't base our confidence on having a certain gift. Our confidence is based on being attached to Christ, but our confidence grows as we exert effort. As we exert effort. This goes back to the whole theme of our summer series, where it's based on a couple of times where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, Passionately pursue, or in the ESV, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That means don't take a casual attitude towards them. Don't think like, well, maybe I'll use my spiritual gift. Maybe I won't. Kind of depends how I feel. Kind of depends on if, if, you know, if, if it's, I feel like it's going to be a good thing for people. That's not passionately pursuing. No, the idea is that you actually move your body, exert effort, and say, I'm going to step out 
in faith. And as I move, I'm trusting that the Spirit of God is going to move through me as I move, right? And you may be saying, well, but you really hammered this idea that this is all grace. These are all just gifts of grace. And I know enough Bible to know that grace is not something that you earn. It's just given freely. You can't merit it. Yes, that's true. But as Dallas Willard says, this is for the Dallas Willard fans, I know who you are. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Grace actually is this thing that as we, as we receive it, it energizes us and we walk it out in faith. And so we, we want to have this attitude like, God, you can give me any gift you want, any time you want, any place, anywhere you want. And I want to be just ready for it. And I know the power is not coming from me, but I'm going to step out in faith, trusting that as I move, you're going to move. So we walk out our gifts in confidence. Number three is this. We walk out spiritual gifts in appreciation of others' gifts. This is now the, the next section, 1 Corinthians 21 through 26. We walk out in appreciation of others' gifts. Here's where Paul continues uh, in the, the metaphor of the body. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And he goes on, he says, really the whole reason why we don't want to have that attitude is because it causes division in the body when we look down on those who are different in their gift mixes from us. And spiritual gifts are not given to divide the body. They're given to unify the body and build up the body. I went ahead too, too far. Um, now, this is challenging, right? This is like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we don't want to, we want to make sure we appreciate and not look down on other people's gifts. But in reality, I think this is challenging for all of us. Because there's probably some spiritual gifts that you've maybe not had the most positive experience around. Whether you've just been kind of weirded out by them or you've been annoyed by the person that had them. Um, we're all tempted to do this. And this is not new, right? This is first century. The church in Thessalonica, evidently they were looking down on those who had the gift of prophecy because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, don't despise prophecies. The church in Corinth, one we're looking at, evidently they were looking down on those who did not have the gift of tongues because Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians 14. So what about you? What might you be tempted to, to look at someone else's gift or a certain gift and say, you know what, I think I can get along just fine without having that gift in my life, without being around people who have that gift. As a clue, it's probably one either that you never think of or one that makes you a little uncomfortable. For me, and this is, I'm not proud of this, but for me at times, this has been the gift of prophecy. There have been times, really just even in the last couple years, where I looked around and prophecy seemed to just be kind of exploding on the scene a couple years ago, where it just seemed like everybody wanted to get online and post their, their prophetic word online to just shoot it out for the world to see. And, and so many of them just felt like they were, just had an agenda behind them and just kind of this partisan prophetic agenda, um, political agenda. 
And I just remember thinking like, this doesn't feel like what the New Testament, how it teaches on this gift and what this gift looks like in the book of Acts. And I remember just being tempted to say, man, I, I don't really want to be around this gift. I don't really want to experience this if this is what it means. But can I tell you, God has been so gracious to me that he continually brings people into my life who have this gift, who walk in this gift, and who walk in it in such a beautiful, humble way with no agenda, just seeking to just do it in relationship with other people in a local context. Last, I mean, even last Saturday, so just last weekend when we did the, the, um, the time of prophetic, um, prophetic teams that you could sign up for and receive words from the Lord, uh, my wife, Andy, signed up for one of them, and she was so blessed by the prophetic giftings of, of Lucy Hughes and Caleb Hughes. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I think they're here somewhere today. Um, but she was so blessed and encouraged, and, and there were things that she had made decisions of recently that she felt really confirmed by the Lord. And so it was a great encouragement to her and me. And so I love the gift of prophecy, and the Lord continues to make sure that I love the gift of prophecy, this beautiful gift. And so I just want to challenge you. Are you appreciating those gifts that are different from yours, that maybe are, are harder to appreciate? So we're called, as the body of Christ, to walk in thankfulness for these gifts, to walk in confidence in our gifts, and to walk in appreciation for others' gifts. I'm about to, to wrap up here. I'm going to Pastor Bart's going to come up in just a few moments to lead us in a time of, of ministry and prayer. Um, but I, I wanted to address that there still may be people here that if you're honest, you're saying, you know, I still am not sure what my gift is. I'm just not totally sure. And I'm not totally sure even if I do know what it is, how to use it. And you just, and that can be embarrassing to admit, like we're at the end of the we're almost to the end of this summer-long series on spiritual gifts, and I'm still kind of lost. I want to speak to you for just a second. Um, first of all, don't let the enemy lie to you. Anything that the enemy can do to keep you disengaged and not activated in the body of Christ, he's going to do that. He's going to keep you on the sidelines, so don't listen to him. But I just want to share with you five things briefly um, as kind of like, markers to point for ways to, to discover and to walk in your spiritual gifts. This is not necessarily the only five, but it is five. And so just really quickly, number one, ask God to increase your love for the church. There were a few years ago, this was actually funny, um, after I went through the, the time of like struggling with the gift of prophecy for a little bit, it forced me to kind of look more closely at it in the New Testament, and it got me excited about it again. And so I taught on it with our young adult group a couple years ago, and I was teaching our young adult group on the gift of prophecy. And it was a good group there that night, and there was a guy who doesn't, didn't come very often, but he, he raised his hand and was like, okay, so how do I, how do I walk in this gift? I, I believe theoretically that it's, it's real, but how do I develop it? And I should have had an answer right in the moment, but I didn't, just being totally honest. And so I pulled that teacher's trick out where I kind of flipped the question back on him and said, well, what do you all think? I was really stalling for time. But then a few seconds later, 
I, I felt like that the Holy Spirit was telling me, like the answer to his question, how do I walk in this gift of prophecy, is ask me to increase your love for the church. Because isn't that Paul's main point, especially in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 13? If this is not coming out of love, love for the people of God, a desire to see the people of God built up into all that Jesus designs and destines for them to be, it's pretty pointless. It's got to come from a place of deep, genuine love for the church. And as you grow in love for the church, you're going to want to see the church build up. And if you want to see the church build up, you're going to be like, I want to be involved in seeing the church build up. How can I be involved? Well, that's going to probably be your spiritual gift. And so ask God to increase your love for the church. Number two, ask a mature, trusted believer what spiritual gifts they see in you. Paul talks about in, in, I think it's 1 Timothy 4, that Timothy received his gift through the prophecy of the council of elders. And so a lot of times, older believers are used to activate gifts in younger believers. That's just kind of how it seems to work a lot. And sometimes they can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. So ask an older trusted believer, like, what, what, what do you, how do you think the Lord has, has gifted me? How can I walk out that. Number three, ask God to release his gifts in you. If he's given these to you and he wants to see his church build up, he's going to answer this prayer. And you're going to have a chance here in just a, a minute um, when Pastor Bart leads us in ministry to do this, to ask him to release the gifts. Number four, look for various ways to serve. And not that these are the only ways, but are you in a small group? I'm not saying that that's the only place to use your gift. But it's a great place, and it's hopefully a safe place to practice using your gift. In fact, we try to encourage our, our small group leaders here at Fullness to try to cultivate atmospheres in our small groups where people can practice hearing from the Lord for each other. And where if you get it wrong, it's okay. You're still going to be loved, and you can walk, walk in your gifts. But all of the gifts, um, are you in a small group? Are you on an impact team? That's just what we use to describe the different areas that people serve here, like greeters. We could use more greeters or working in children's ministry. Those are great places to practice your gifts, but by no means the only places. These are not just for in the church. They're also for outside, but these are, are great ways inside the church. And then lastly, don't expect perfection the first time that you use your gift or ever when you use your gift. I remember the first time, uh, back when I was an intern for the youth ministry here at Fullness, um, years ago, and the, the youth pastor at the time, Josh Walsh, he asked me to speak, to teach to our, our students, and I'm pretty sure I bored the room half to death and put them all to sleep. I just, I mean, I had just blank looks, and I got done, and I was like, wow, that was painful. Um, <laughs> But for whatever reason, Josh gave me a number, another opportunity, and he gave me another opportunity. And I'm so thankful that he's given me opportunities and that Pastor Bart has given me opportunities to, to grow in using this gift. And guess what? As I've stepped out, confidence has grown because that's the way that it works. One of the coolest things of um, our current youth ministry has been over the last year, we have several young adult leaders who help out as, as volunteers with our, our ministry. 
And a few of them, I won't mention their names, uh, the thought of getting up and teaching in front of our students terrified them. Like, they, they were like, no way. You're not getting me up. I'm not going to speak in front of, in front of these kids. They're, they're, they're terrifying. And I would just kind of encourage them, like, I think, I think you might be able to do this. And never, never force them. Uh, but finally, they, they took the opportunity. They got up and they spoke and they taught. And guess what? It was amazing. It was beautiful. And everyone was blessed as they used their gifts. And it was the coolest thing, maybe, was to see the confidence and the joy in them as they got to see the Spirit of God move through them as they moved. And so if you are an older believer, a more veteran in the faith and in the things of the Spirit, how can you help those who are younger than you and they're discovering their spiritual gifts? How can you empower them and give them opportunities to use them? As I said before, I, my, my heart is I would love for that when somebody, and I know this is, this is, I think, the heart of all of us, that when somebody comes in here, they say, surely the Holy Spirit is here. And not just that I see all these gifts being used, but I see the way that they're being used. That you, you're, you're thankful people. You're not cynical like so many in our society. You're walking in thankfulness. You're not insecure like so many in our society. You're confident in your place here. And you don't just get off in these cliques and only hang out with people who think just like you, like so many in our society, but you actually embrace the diversity within the unity, and it's beautiful. Surely God must be in this place. So Father, we thank you for your spirit who unites us to Jesus and gives us the faith to walk out these gifts that you've given us. May we be a people who don't just believe they exist, don't just know what they are, but walk them out in a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus and builds up his church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.